Welcome to the Compliance Week podcast, powered by Navix. For more information about Compliance Week, visit www.complianceweek.com. And now, let's get into the show. Hello, welcome to the Compliance Week podcast, powered by Navix. My name is Aaron Nicodemus. I'm a staff writer here at Compliance Week, and I'll be your host. Today, our goal with this podcast is to feature engaging discussions, offer practical insights, and tap into expert opinions to provide our listeners with comprehensive understanding of the impact and potential of digital transformation in governance, risk, and compliance, GRC. My guest today is Justin Ross, who is the Chief Compliance Officer for FedEx Corporation. In that role, Justin is responsible for developing and overseeing FedEx's compliance programs, for its over 500,000 team members operating in over 200 countries around the world. Justin's been with FedEx since 2003, working in a variety of roles in legal and compliance in the United States and internationally. He leads a team of compliance professionals that oversee the anti-corruption, anti-fraud, third-party compliance, competition law, conflicts of interest, trade controls, data privacy, and gifts and entertainment compliance programs for FedEx. Justin's and his team's efforts led to Justin receiving Compliance Week's Chief Compliance Officer of the Year Award in 2021, and FedEx being named Ethispheres, one of the world's most ethical companies for 2023. Justin, welcome to the Compliance Week podcast. Thanks for having me, Aaron. So the topic of our discussion today is the digital transformation of compliance. Uh, And I wanted to talk a little bit about what is digital transformation. And then we'll, uh, we'll we'll launch right into the questions for Justin. Uh, most of you listening to this podcast remember paper checks, right? We used to write them out and sign them, put them in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and mail it. We might still write checks occasionally, but rarely. Mostly we use our bank's mobile apps to arrange for electronic transfers to pay our mortgages, electric bills, etc. You remember paper checks, right, Justin? Yeah, I have an interesting story, Aaron. So part of my FedEx journey was working in Europe for a couple of years, and we lived in the Netherlands. And there are no paper checks in the Netherlands. So this was a couple of years ago. So I had to, my family and I had to, uh, you know, learn how to live without paper checks. Everything was electronic over there. So uh, it's been a while since I've written a paper check, even being back in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote a paper check like a couple of months ago for my son's uh, uh school school trip but that i don't i write maybe you know five a year yeah and when i when i'm writing one you know whenever i am writing one and the few times i do it's almost like i forgot how to do it i'm like what goes here you know where where, what do i put here you know something that we learned in like second grade (laughs) yeah 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 my daughter had to do it once and she was just like what is this you know so she's 21 and she had to learn um so you know uh We used to receive our paychecks as paper checks. We'd have to sign them and physically deposit them in the bank. And for most of us now, our paychecks are electronically deposited directly into our bank accounts. So most banking transactions now are conducted electronically. Even cash is on its way to obsolescence. And so personal banking has undergone a digital transformation, right? Um, Deloitte recently published a white paper on digital transformation for risk and compliance functions. According to Deloitte, the days of utilizing only traditional methods to conduct internal audits, compliance testing, risk assessments, investigations, and oversight are ending. As digital technologies take on a larger role in the way organizations conduct their business, 
compliance and internal audit are joining the transformation. It's essential to their evolution and a vital component of an effective enterprise risk management framework. So with that as the background and the uh, discussion, Justin, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Why is digital transformation so important for compliance in 2023? What are the opportunities investing in such new technologies provide to compliance officers? And what are some of the risks? I think, look, a, a couple of simple answers to that, Aaron. First of all, I don't think any of us uh, in the compliance world are going to see big increases in our compliance budgets, you know, over the next couple of years. We all see what's happened in the macro environment right now. And a lot of companies are trying to be uh, a lot more judicious and spend across the board. And look, to me, um, digitizing your compliance uh, program and automating compliance functions can help us there because, frankly, you can do more with less. I mean, anytime we can automate a process, take out uh, the manual nature of it, take out the spreadsheets and all that. You can do it faster. You can do it more efficiently. So uh, in my mind, the uh, the digitization can really help uh, doing more with less and help us with those resources. Now, look, there are risks. Um, I think that uh, you got to be very careful with automation and data analytics and that garbage in, garbage out. And what I mean by that is you got to make sure you have good data quality. Uh, and I think that's a challenge for any company is making sure your data is clean before you just jump into automation or digitization or data analytics. So at FedEx, part of our journey, you know, before we could really lean into automation and using data analytics, we had to make sure our data was clean. And sometimes that's uh, more complicated than it should be. So that's one of the risks is just making sure that you got clean data, because if you don't, then none of this automation is really going to work. Got it. Okay. Cool. Um, can you give me some example of compliance functions that you have digitized at FedEx? Yeah, I'll, let me start with, look, I, I would say FedEx has made uh, big steps in, in digitizing and automating and using data analytics. But I wouldn't say we're on the vanguard, frankly. You know, if you were asking me what's our maturity level in analytics, I'd think we're maybe a six. We're, we're definitely not a 10. So we're on that journey. But, you know, a couple other things is, is you don't as a CCO or even as a as a, a compliance officer for a company, you don't really have to be a techie or to really understand the nuts and bolts of AI and technology and automation to really to, to, to push this for an organization. I mean, we have hired uh, people on our team that, that know this, that are data analysts. Uh, we don't have a whole you know group of them, but we got a couple of people that are really interested in this and that have uh, dived into it. So. As a CCO, you don't necessarily have, have to understand uh, how it works to really promote it within your company. And then the other thing, Aaron, before I jump into what we've done, you don't, as you'll hear in the, the theme here, um, as we talk today, you don't have to spend millions and millions of dollars to do this. You don't have to go out and, uh, and buy this shiny new expensive toy to do automation. There are a lot of things that we have uh, in everyday uh, stuff or software that we use for for, for other uses that you can use to automate. And we'll talk about a lot of the tools that Microsoft has yeah. uh, in their suite of, of tools that they have that you can use for automation. So right. I wanted to start with that before I jump into some of the things that we've done. Now, you know, we've uh, we've digitized a, a number of our uh, sort of compliance functions. A couple of them I think everyone does now. This is not necessarily groundbreaking, but GIFs approvals, uh, the way that, uh, that uh, employees will ask for approvals to provide or receive GIFs. Uh, how we approve those and then how we log those. We've automated that now. 
our whole conflicts disclosures process is now automated. Uh, if an employee has a conflict, they put it in the system. The approval process is done in the system through that, uh, and then we track it as well. Uh, we I, also, yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so, can you just describe for me how that either how how does that confirmation happen? There's a there, there's a person at the other end, right? Who's yeah. who's making that confirmation, but the, it's entered into a system and then it's logged into the system and then the uh, a person approves and then it's logged back. Is is that how yeah. it works generally? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the key the key is the workflow. Having yeah. an automated workflow instead of yeah. doing things through email uh, or on spreadsheets, you've got an auditable trail of yeah. what happens. The employee goes in the system that's logged. They make the request that gets uh, automated, uh, a, a notification to the lawyer or compliance person who needs to approve that. They look at it. They put their notes in the system. So it really creates that audible trail and it's more efficient. It happens faster. We don't have to have a lot of paper finding out where is that paper. You got one system of record, one source of truth for everything. Super. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. So uh, continue. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on the gifts and conflicts. Uh, one thing on this is on the data privacy side and in our data privacy folks will understand this. One big part of a data privacy compliance program are data subject access requests. So GDPR, CPRA, uh, all the laws uh, allow consumers or customers to ask a company to either delete all their data or provide information on the data they keep uh, for them. So we've automated that process. Uh, we actually use OneTrust uh, for that, and uh, that's a vendor. And that way, the, the customer submits their request through the system. That request gets routed to the appropriate data privacy person in the system. Uh, we respond to it in the system. So, so that has been automated as well. Uh, so we can keep an audible trail there. Uh, let me, we've also, let me stop yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, are you doing that for just requests from California and Europe, or are you allowing, you know, uh, uh, a customer from anywhere to make those requests? We have you separated that out or not? No. So anyone can make a request. Okay. Uh, we, we we respond only to the jurisdictions where we're required to respond. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is which? Look, some some companies respond to all of them. Uh, we haven't taken that step yet, but yeah. we are, you know, look, the system is such that we can, we can be very flexible and we can start doing that. Sure. Uh, so we'll accept any, but uh, we typically only will respond um, to those that uh, we're required to. Now, that doesn't mean we don't provide a response. We will provide a response saying why we may have rejected the request. Right, exactly. right. And I'm assuming that, you know, when these other states start coming online with their privacy laws, you'll be able to update the software and say, you know, now we have to respond to Colorado, to Connecticut or whatever. We'll flip a switch. That's yeah, what's making yeah. it great. Yeah, yeah. Right. It won't be a lot of work. Um, so those are the data subject access requests. We've also, um, and this is not, I don't think necessarily, um, groundbreaking, but all of our surveys are now automated. So we do, uh, in compliance, we do a lot of surveys. We do surveys to our employees. We do surveys to our third parties. And uh, we use uh, automation to do all that. And we also, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, I think doing the surveys one thing and automating it, but getting the data and kind of using that data and getting great visualization and insights into that data is another thing. And, right. and, you know, using systems, and we'll talk about how we use Microsoft Power BI to kind of take that data and make it useful and, right. and easy to share with others. So surveys is one. We do a code of conduct questionnaire each year, uh, which goes to all of our management employees and asks about 
you know, have you witnessed any misconduct? Do you have any conflicts of interest? Uh, that's something that we've automated as well. Uh, and we're using tools like Power BI to, to analyze the results. And then we also um, we've got we have a lot of business critical licenses uh, and I'll call them, you know, we operate in 200 country, countries around the world. You got various licenses. You need transportation related licenses, um, you know, freight forwarding related licenses, all kinds of things. So we uh, we've got a system now where we manage those business critical licenses. Uh, business owners are required to put the license in the system and the dates that that license is going to expire. That's the key. Yeah. You don't want these things to expire without you knowing it. So that'll send a notification based on those dates when it needs to be renewed. Uh, and that's really helped us to, to manage those business critical licenses. Uh, we do a couple of things now with our um, alert line. And let me talk about data quality. Um, we uh, have not struggled. We've had challenges for a long time in making sure that all of the information in our alert line case management system, which we also use to to case manage investigations that don't come in through the alert line. The, the key is to make sure all the data fields in there and all the data is, is updated because you can't really do alert line analytics if you don't have good data quality, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And we were having issues where um, users in the system wouldn't fill in certain data fields, wouldn't indicate when a case was closed, wouldn't put the investigation report in there all that. So we created this um, data quality kind of tracking system uh, using Mac Microsoft Power Automate to where if there's a field that's not completed when someone uh, is has a case uh, in, in the alert line system, it'll send an email to that person saying, hey, this field is not completed. You need to complete this field before you can close out the case. And that's been really helpful for us to ensure that uh, the uh, the information in the case management system is updated. And that's using Microsoft Power Automate. And that's kind of a workflow tool. Uh, right. You know, if, if you've got if you know, you can set it up to where if A happens, then B and then B, then C. Really helpful for, for things like that. Um, last thing, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more. Not not the last thing, but this is one of the other, uh, I think, uh, unique things that we're using is policy access tracking. And this is absolutely simple very simple uh, we have our compliance policies all on sharepoint an internal sharepoint site yep. and sharepoint has built-in tools where you can track where people are clicking on certain documents in there so we use that uh, sharepoint and the analytics that come out of that sharepoint to find out who's accessing our policies who's looking at them where are these people coming from that are accessing our policies how long are they looking at them all that. So just an example of some of the tools, everyday tools that we all have at our fingertips right. to use for compliance automation. Now, I've got other questions, but this one just yeah. kind of pops into my head. Are these tools, Are is, is FedEx saying this is how we can use these tools or are the vendors like SharePoint or Microsoft saying, hey, maybe you can use it this way or this, like, like how, how is that back and forth happening? Yeah, a, li a, little, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. You know, we have over the years, you know, thought about how can we automate this? How can we automate that? And, you know, we have talked to uh, some of the big vendors about, hey, do you have some of these capabilities? Because we've already got you, we're, we're using Microsoft, we're using Outlook. It's, you know, it's what we use for the enterprise. Right. So we've gone to them and said, hey, we've got this problem. Do you have a tool that can help us solve that problem? And, you know, generally they do. So it's always easier to use something you're already paying for than going out and, and having to pay uh, another vendor for that. Now, 
look, don't get me wrong. There are other vendors that we use for some other automation, um, but there's a lot that you'd be surprised. You probably have a lot more capability than you think you do with existing tools. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good message I think for uh, compliance officers to hear because you know there's a cost associated with these processes with and even if it results in some some efficiencies there's still some costs there's still some time that it takes to get up to speed or or to implement it and you've got to sell that to management right I mean yeah that's, yeah that's no great. absolutely absolutely a co- couple other examples just came in my head is yeah. this other system that we initially used for matter management and what I mean by that is. Uh, the litigation team basically used it to manage litigation manners and to help us to manage the billing, you know, law firm billing and all that. We'd have the law firm in there. Um, and it was a system that we used to to manage the bills, law firm spend, litigation spend, all that. Yeah. We found out that we could actually use that also for our uh, for our conflicts tracking. So that's yeah. the system that we use for conflicts tracking. Oh, so it was okay. absolutely not intended for that at all. Um, and I can't even remember how we ended up, you know, using that system or learning that it could be used. But ask me what I would say is look at your existing systems. They could be not totally unrelated to what you're doing and just ask some questions. Right. Ask the right. vendor questions. Hey, does it have this capability? And uh, and you'd be amazed. That was another example of a tool wasn't initially intended for compliance function. Uh, we used it for a compliance function. Right. And maybe it's a question of or uh, an issue of you talk to your vendors or you talk to your software providers about what some of your pain points are. You've got this issue. You've got that issue that you'd like to solve. Is anything that we have, any of the tools that we're already using, can we use them to solve this problem and sort of let them mull on it as well? I will say this. They will always tell you yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I, hey, and I, I love my vendors, but they, uh, you know, a lot of them will will always tell you yes. They want to tell you what you want to hear. So, hey, do a POC. I always advise before you spend the money, yeah. uh, or before you spend a lot of money, do a POC to see if it'll work for you. And you know, most vendors are more than happy, and and they prefer to do a POC as well. Right. Right. Um. Oh. We talked a little bit about this offline. Uh, FedEx has this annual integrity survey that it does, and you're using the power of artificial intelligence to analyze the data. What kind of insights are you finding in that data? So it's not not really artificial intelligence, okay. uh, Aaron. It's it's more of we're using Microsoft Power BI to take those survey results and really kind of put them into a dashboard that really helps us to visualize and communicate and act on the data better. And I'll give you an example. So we've got uh, the survey has 20 or so questions uh, and they ask questions like, is the code of conduct easy to access and understand? Uh, Would you be willing to report misconduct? If not, why not? You know, things like that to kind of gauge the culture of the organization and whether our policies and our program and our training uh, are effective. Now, what we do is, you know, we've got several different business units, let's say 10 to 12 different business units in international regions around the world. And we've got these 20 questions. And then you've got the the questions are set up like strongly agree, agree, neutral, like that. So what we want to do is you want to, you know, what are these, how do we really analyze these questions to see where we need to act? And we've used Power BI to kind of slice and dice those questions by region, uh, by question type, uh, we really looked at it. Uh, we use Power BI as well to, you know, which questions were strongly positive, which had more negative, you know, answers than we wanted. And that helped us to kind of rank. All right. 
this is a question that we're most concerned about. While while it was very positive, it was more negative than the other questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we were able to rank it and slice and dice the data. And, and I would recommend, you know, Power BI is a great tool to use anytime you've got a lot of data and you want to visualize that data or put it in a dashboard that's really easy for you to slice and dice it and communicate right. it to executives, to the board or whatever. And that's what right. we've used. We've used it to, I use it for board presentations. Uh, I use it for uh, executive officer presentations and, it, and it's really helpful. Nice. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, and let me, let me say this out. Yeah, yeah. I don't, Aaron, I don't have power BI can be learned by anyone. Uh, yeah. And I've got the, the person on my team that's the Power BI whiz is a lawyer who just <laughs> taught himself how to do it. Yeah. He, he loves it. He gets into it. He taught himself how to do Power BI. So anytime we've got a bunch of data that, that we need to, to visualize, um, he digs into it and, and loves it, you know, and can can really create some stuff. So I would say you don't have to be a tech whiz to learn Power BI. Now, I don't know Power BI. I don't know how to use it. But yeah, yeah. So uh, it's beyond my capability, but my capabilities aren't very, uh, very wide or broad. But, but you're able to use the results of it to, to take, you know, to, 100%. To use, yeah. You yep. Use the insights into, into something actionable or something that you can present to the board. I see. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, so we're, we're running close on time and I wanna ask my last question and then we'll wrap up. Uh, so you mentioned a bunch of tools that you use and maybe you mentioned these already, but I just wanna make sure. Uh, Microsoft Forms, uh, Microsoft Power Automate, uh, can you give me any examples of how you're using those? Yeah, so Microsoft Forms you can use for any kind of survey. Okay. Any survey. So uh, our uh, we, do, um, we don't do our compliance survey with Microsoft Forms because the compliance survey covers, you know, the, the enterprise of employees. So Microsoft Forms is a little, li- not limited, but it's uh, it's not set up necessarily to have, you know, 100,000 responses. Yeah. We use it for smaller surveys. You know, if we, if we got a regional survey, uh, if we want to just do a, a survey to, to managers in a certain area, we'll use Microsoft Forms. And it's very easy way, survey way to get data, to, re- to, to, to send out a survey, to receive that data, and to hold that data. And it's got a, it's got some limited analytics capabilities as well. Uh, not Power BI capable, but you can do some limited analytics with Microsoft Forms. Right. Uh, Power Automate was that workflow tool that I talked about with those oh, data yeah. quality emails. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically uh, automates processes behind the scene. You can set a workflow. So if A happens, then B, and, you know, if B happens, then C or D, you know, it's a good workflow tool. Uh, a couple of the other things, look, um, SharePoint, we all have SharePoint. Uh, don't, uh, you know, don't sleep on SharePoint. You've got, there's some analytics capability in SharePoint specifically on the, the policy clicking, uh, that I talked about. Um, and then I think that's the, the suite of the Microsoft tools that we've used and been very, very happy with them and successful with them. Right, right. Um, so that uh, I think provided our listeners, uh, however many there will be, a, a, a good roadmap for how to, um, use the tools that they have to um, begin a digital transformation or perhaps uh, lean into a digital transformation that they've already done. Is there any other advice that you'd give to a compliance officer who's trying to, uh, you know, basically uh, get out of a spreadsheet or get out of a manual process, maybe at the beginning of, 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 a, of a process? Because I'm sure you were there at some point. Yeah, I would look, I'd, I'd kind of double down on what I said earlier. Uh, you don't have to be techie. Uh, even your your team doesn't have to be techie. Anyone can really learn these tools. Um, so so don't let that intimidate you. Um, you don't have to spend millions. 
like I said, you can these, these tools are very some of them are at your fingertips already, uh, and and some of them can be used very efficiently and and you know not so expensive. And then look, I also you know harking back on I think what I heard at a, a conference compliance conference from a DOJ official, you know when the DOJ talks about data analytics, data analytics all the time, it doesn't have to be some crazy cool AI tool or some, you know, awesome system that's automated. If you had they the the DOJ official said if you've got a spreadsheet and I know I'm I'm going away from the from what the topic here is digitization, but if you're using data in a way that is very helpful to your program, regardless of that's digitized, automated, if it's in a spreadsheet and it's very helpful and useful and really gives you insights, then that's fine. I don't think the expectations are for everyone to have some cool shiny tool. So so I think that's uh, something that that, you know, we shouldn't forget about. I mean, you really can use data, whether it's digitized, automated, uh, as long as it's being insightful and effective for your program, uh, then I think that's what the expectations from the regulators are. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, nobody wants to do um, to upend your processes just for the sake of upending them. You want yeah. to be more efficient. You want to get insights that you wouldn't have seen before and you want to um, basically improve the way that your business is operating and and that's all stuff that you can sell to a board fairly easily i would think absolutely don't automate just to automate only automate it if it's going to make you more efficient or give you better insights yeah yep. great great well uh justin i really appreciate your time um this was uh, a great conversation, and I think there were a lot of things that compliance officers can take away from this, bring back to their offices and, and teams. Um, so again, I appreciate it. Uh, Justin Ross, uh, CCO for FedEx, thanks again for having the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Aaron, really enjoyed it. All right, thanks.